Welcome to the Higher Ed Retire Podcast with your host, Greg Shepard. Greg is a fee-only financial advisor who specializes in helping those in higher education to take control of their retirement. Since 2001, Greg has helped employees all over the country make the most of their retirement plans. Hey there, folks. Greg Shepard here from Higher Ed Retire Podcast. Boy, I got somewhat of a special podcast here today. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, we're going to talk about some legislation that went through Congress earlier this year. You may be familiar with the bill that was passed through Congress called the CARES Act. Folks, this is a 900-page, roughly 900-page bill. Rest assured, I didn't read it all. Actually, I read very little of it because it's like watching paint dry. Uh, I did read through some summaries but more so, I got some crypt notes from other uh, very reliable, respectable sources. So what I did is I wrote down uh, a number of notes here, some cliff notes. We're going to concentrate on three or four aspects of this bill. Of course, we're going to concentrate on the aspects that apply to you, those employed by higher education, and how that relates or translates to, to your world, basically. One of the reasons, one of the catalysts uh, that brought me to this podcast is, of course, as many of you understand and know out there, some people are going through some pretty tough times financially, of course, not to mention the health aspect with this coronavirus. And that's why this CARES Act was enacted, by the way. I've had some clients call me up and inquire about taking money out of their retirement plan for various reasons, but for reasons that surround this coronavirus, okay? So what I wanted to do is put together something that could help you out in that regard, okay? So there's a few different options that will be afforded to you that came down through the CARES Act. Some new things that I want to discuss. Okay, folks, I got some notes written down here. I don't have really a formal agenda. I may go off on, on all kinds of tangents. Please, I'm going to try to make this as simple as possible uh, and not confuse both of us. So if you're going through this or after, you've, after you're done listening to this, by all means, please contact me. We can go over your specific situation, okay? My contact information Go ahead and go to www.higheredretire.com. You'll find my contact information there. Okay, so what we're going to do first is talk about distributions, okay? That's the simplest thing to do is just simply take a distribution, okay? So there are some new um, nuances, I guess I could say, regarding distributions that came down from the CARES Act. So there's basically two ways we can take distributions, that you can take distributions from your 403B and 457. You know, a distribution isn't probably going to be the best option, but you know, life happens and it may be your only option, okay? There there's a distribution and the loan option, which we're going to we're going to discuss. The loan option is probably going to be the best option, but you may not be able to do that, which I'm going to get into probably on the second half of this podcast. So we're going to first start talking about the distributions, just straight up distributions, okay? Now, there's many reasons as to why you may need this option, all right? Your, your income may be going down, okay? I've seen that prevalent across many universities out there where your income's dropping, you know, 7 10%, I think, indefinitely, okay? At least going into next year for obvious reasons. Maybe your spouse lost his or her job and you have to take a distribution from your retirement plan just to get by a little bit. So Congress did foresee some of this coming, and they amended some of the rules. Okay, so let's start by talking about distributions. And keep in mind, folks, 
this is not for your pension money, okay? Some of you do have those somewhat of an archaic retirement plan, not bad or good, it's just a little bit archaic, where you do have a pension. What I'm about to talk about does not apply to your pension money. Okay, so coronavirus-related distributions. I actually did a couple of these last week, which, like I said earlier, was the catalyst to me putting together this podcast. Again, I'll repeat, not sure if this is the best option, but, you know, each scenario is going to be a little bit different, and, and this may be your only option, okay? So you can take up to $100,000 from your employer-defined contribution plan, which, of course, is going to be your 403B and 457. Also, you're, for those out there that have a 401K and an IRA, okay, and an IRA, this is going to apply to you as well. You don't have to pay that 10% penalty if you're under the IRS age for distributions, okay? Let that sink in a little bit. Sometimes when you're under that IRS age, 59 and a half, and you take a distribution, you got a little problem. It usually doesn't make sense, um, but now they waive that. So, But keep in mind, the money you take out, this is taxable income. You can't escape those taxes, right? Ordinarily, with defined contribution plans, they're going to require you to withhold for Fed, and state, for those that have state taxes, that is going to be waived with this provision, okay? So basically, if you request $80,000, you get $80,000. But remember, you still owe taxes on that money. So you're either going to start paying quarterly taxes, which I personally do, it's not that difficult, or just set some money aside for when April rolls around, and of course, you have those taxes due, Actually, let me expand a little bit more on the tax liability. Um, some of this can get a little confusing, so I'm going to do my best here not to confuse really either one of us. The income you receive, let's just make the math real simple here. Let's say you take out $9,000. Well, you can spread that income over the next three years. So if you take out $9,000, you can pay taxes on $3,000 of income per year for the next three years. This is going to help limit the tax liability each year. So this is great, okay? So you're not going to be not going to have that big burden, especially if you take out large chunks of money. All of that tax isn't going to be due right up front that next following year. Going just a little bit further on this distribution and some of the provisions, you can actually pay that distribution back. Now, this is where it's going to get a little tricky, um, because in my head, it's, it sounds like you may have to amend some tax returns. You know, you're going to be dealing with after-tax and pre-tax monies. So I highly, 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 highly recommend talking to a CPA, which I am not one. So before you start this distribution process and uh, trying to pay that distribution back, you know, you want to make sure you have all your ducks in a row. And the first thing you should do is just contact a CPA and let him or her know what you're trying to do. Now, some of you out there may have a Roth 401k or, in my world, a Roth 403b. You know, I haven't forgotten about you since I I recommend these types of accounts to just about all my clients that, that it makes sense to. Again, this is going to get a little tricky, but the distribution will not be taxed as long as you're taking out your contributions and the money has been there at least five years. So I tell you what, if you're looking to do this and you have a Roth 403B or, or a 401K, Roth 401K, just contact me and I'll see about helping you out. You don't have to be a client of mine. 
Uh, just go to my website, higheredretire.com, and like I said, my contact information is there. Let me know what's going on. We'll touch base, and we'll get into your, uh, your specific situation. Okay, so if you choose to go down this road, this path, you're going to have to prove that you're impacted negatively, of course, by the coronavirus, which actually should be fairly easy, easy to do. I mean, you could claim adverse financial consequences, lack of child care options. That's going to be a big one. You know, the list goes on and on. Um, you know, I'm not an expert here, but I'm guessing the IRS is going to be pretty lax on the reasons for this, uh, this distribution. You know, it would just open Pandora's box, and I can't imagine the IRS wanting to be put in the position of telling people what circumstances are more important than others during this time. So I, I wouldn't be too worried, you know, if, if you're impacted and you need money, I don't think it's going to be that difficult to prove to the IRS that you needed the money. One last thing on this distribution option, you know, it's not going to apply to a lot of you out there, um, actually more so for K-12, through but not much for higher ed employees. If you're invested with an insurance company, maybe you have um, an old contract out there. I've seen that a number of times. Make sure you don't have any surrender charges that may apply to this distribution. You know, you may have an old contract out there, even though your new money for the last five years or whatever the case is, is with a certain company that's not an insurance company like Fidelity, Vanguard, something like that. You may look at your portfolio and have an old contract, you know, a a TSA, a tax-sheltered annuity, and it hasn't done that well, and you're thinking to yourself, well, I'll just take the distribution from that account. You may have distribution uh, surrender charges associated with that. Odds are probably not if it's an old contract because they usually come due or end or after a certain period of time, like 7 or 10 years. But just make sure and double-check you don't have surrender charges because they will apply, even for this coronavirus-related distribution. Uh, maybe a little off-topic here, but that is just another one of many, many reasons not to invest your retirement plan with insurance companies. Now, back in the day, it was basically your only choice. Nowadays, these plans have evolved in a good way where you have other choices, mostly, to choose from. But a lot of those insurance companies, even these days, they've evolved in that sense. Uh, But I'd much rather go with just a straight-up mutual fund company like I mentioned Fidelity or Vanguard. If you're not sure about surrender charges, if it's just foreign to you, contact me, let me know. It's probably going to take me about... Oh, all of 15 seconds to help you out. Seriously, you don't need to be a client of mine. Don't be bashful. Just contact me. What I'm going to do now is transition over to this second distribution option. Okay, it's going to be uh, a loan, a COVID-19 related loan provision. It's probably not the official term, but it's, uh, it's a loan nonetheless, not a distribution. Now, for most of you out there, this is going to be the go-to option rather than that distribution. Okay, so let's go over some of the features here with this loan provision. Maybe the biggest difference between this option and that distribution option that we just went over is that a loan may not be taxed. Okay, most of the times it's not going to be taxed, but there are scenarios where it could be taxed. Okay, very rare scenarios, but we're going to get into that. And distribution is, is, is taxed. Okay, like I mentioned before, Please look into going through the loan process before the distribution option, the, the, the distribution process. Uh, most, you know, high percentage of the time, this loan option is going to be a better deal. You know, regarding these loan options, there used to be these strange rules 
on how much you could borrow or loan out. I tell you what, it oftentimes confused me, and I was quite certain, actually, the reps I was talking to regarding the loan process probably knew less about it than I did. I tell clients, well, I was told by company X you can take out X dollars from your account, but I'm not really sure they knew what they were talking about. So we'd basically just submit the necessary paperwork and and just see what happened. There were rules about only able to take out like 50% of your account, but you still needed a certain amount of collateral in that account. And if you had employer contributions, then it got even more confusing. So good news here is that with this COVID-related loan, these rules go out the window. So now on this loan option, you can get up to $100,000 and 100% of your vested balance, I guess, or 100% of your vested balance. Folks, this is a monumental move regarding these loan restrictions. Okay, so what about the uh, repayments? How do you pay this stuff back, you ask, right? This is, again, this is going to get a little fuzzy. It's a little fuzzy to me, but from what I understand, I believe you can delay payments until 2021. You'll need to get the exact terms from your vendor, but I do know for a fact you can delay your first payment for a certain amount of time. Like I said, I believe you can delay until 2021, but when I was reading this, I read it like five or six times. It didn't make sense 100% to me, so your vendor, they're going to be able to explain it, hopefully, better than I could. Okay, sticking with the loan process, let's get into a few of the, the drawbacks here of the loan. You know, just like with just about everything, this option isn't without its hurdles and obstacles. So if a loan is coming from a 401k, like I said, some of you will have a 401k out there, and sometimes from a 403b and 457, repayments will come straight from your paycheck. Okay, this is going to be the most likely case, but you need to verify this with your vendor. Another way I've seen repayments is basically setting up uh, ACH from your checking account. But again, check with your vendor, but that's how you repay. Most likely, that's how you're going to repay these loans, is straight from your paycheck. Okay, so sticking on these loans, let's get into some of these nuances here. I have some of these notes written down. Um, this might be a little general. I'm trying not to confuse myself and you at the same time. So uh, might be best practice, just contact me. We can go over your specific situation. But regarding these loans, you know, a 401k loan actually seems better than a loan from a 403b or 457. So let me, let me dive into that a little bit. A 401k loan, you know, it's pretty simple. You're paying back the money you took out. That seems pretty simple, right? Bad thing about that, though, is you pay interest back on the loan with after-tax dollars. And then you retire, well, guess what? You pay taxes again on that distribution. Sounds a lot like double taxation, huh? Remember, these loans, like with any loan, they're gonna have repayment terms that will include an interest rate. It's just like paying back your credit card debt, okay? Now, conversely, 403B loans, they are collateralized. Now, this isn't true for all vendors, but I, I do see this quite a bit. Oh, geez, this gets pretty fun to explain. So what's going to happen um, is the vendor, they're going to create a new account from which your loan is going to come from. The vendor isn't going to let you loan out your own money. They're going to fund that new account that was created, and they're going to earn a small interest on the repayments. These vendors will make money on your loan. Now, again, it gets pretty confusing, and uh, you know I'm not going to get into the weeds with all of this right now. 
But, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Hey, you needed a loan, and, and they gave you one. All right, it's not a bad thing that they're, they're making money, a little bit of money off this. Okay, so now what if worst-case scenario comes and you happen to lose your job, which, folks, that's not too far-fetched in this environment, as we all know. If that were to occur, that entire amount becomes due at that time. So this is something that you do need to think about, of course. It's impossible to foresee the future, but if you have other colleagues getting laid off, or if you just hear about rumors rolling around campus about layoffs, you do need to take that in consideration. So if you were to get laid off and that loan becomes due at that time, let's say you're not able to pay it off fully at that time. Well, that loan just became taxable income. That entire loan, not just what you currently owe. Remember earlier I said that the COVID option, uh, the loan option may be tax-free. There's a caveat associated with it. Well, that's the caveat. Piggybacking on that for, it could be any reason, for whatever reason that you're not able to pay that loan back again, that whole thing, that whole loan becomes taxable. And it may not be because you just lost your job. Maybe due to some other reason that we can't, I can't even think about right now. Another drawback, not all universities allow loans. Now, I do believe all the universities I deal with do allow loans, and most of them out there will, but it's not a guarantee to allow this option. This feature, this, this loan provision, it is specific to each plan. So, of course, one of the first things you need to do after you talk to a CPA or even before you talk to a CPA, if interested in either option, specifically the loan option, just call up your vendor to see if they allow the option. It's pretty simple. It's going to take you about five minutes. Okay, there is another drawback. You know it's going to be pretty rare, this next one, but you know how the saying goes, the more information you have, the better. Uh, it's not going to apply to a lot of you out there, but it is going to apply to those plans that still deal with these insurance companies, these, these archaic retirement plans that deal with insurance companies with surrender charges. And I tell you what, this is going to apply more so for those in K-12. through Maybe you have a spouse in K-12. through If you do happen to have one of these archaic plans, your insurance agent, because these are insurance agents that sell those products, they're going to say something like here, um, in, in air quotes, I'm just making this up. The contract you have, Mr. or Mrs. Smith, currently doesn't allow for loans, but we can explore other contracts that do allow that feature, Mr. or Mrs. Smith. Now, can anyone out there uh, listening guess what that could entail? Well, moving money out of one contract and into another one could have surrender fees assessed to it and a little nice commission for that insurance agent as well. Pretty good deal, right? Yeah, pretty good deal for the agent, but not necessarily for you. Again, if you're not sure about your situation, just let me know, and um, I'll go out of my way to get you straightened out. We're going to get into a couple other things that could impact some of you. Due to the CARES Act, RMD rules have changed just a little bit. RMD stands for Required Minimum Distribution. Okay, this is for those of you out there that... You know, the rule used to be 70 and a half. You had to take money out of qualified plans, not if you're working, okay? If you're still working, you don't have to take money out of your 403B, 457, you know, 401. Keep going down the list there. Your employer retirement plan. Uh, that, that age, by the way, has changed. 
we're looking at 72 now all right the old rmd 70 and a half rule has been around forever we are living longer okay so uh they move that age up a little bit to 72. so let's get into some of the uh, uh, provisions in the cares act regarding rmds pretty simple rmds have been waived for all of 2020 all tax deferred accounts if you decide to take your rmd for 2020 Keep in mind that your December 31st value had high values, okay? So for those of you out there that, that don't know how RMDs are calculated, all you do is take your December 31st value, and there's a formula that's applied, and that will equate to how much you have to take out for that respective year. Now, if you go back in time, December 31st of 2019, your values were pretty good. 2019 was a pretty good year, especially if you had a high concentration in stocks. So if you start enacting that formula and you're using that December 31st value, your, your tax liability is going to be pretty, pretty steep. But remember, you don't have to take it. Let's say you've already taken the RMD for 2020 and this news just came across your desk. As you're listening to this podcast, you can actually put that money back in. Again, I'll remind you, I am not a CPA. Uh, let's see, maybe you can go about Googling RMDs put back in 2020. That might work. I don't know. But all kidding aside, you just need to talk to a CPA about how to go about doing that, how to go about putting that money back in. I'm just here to tell you that it can be done. Okay, moving on. Another provision. What if you're a charitable person and you give or donate money each year to charitable causes? Well, you actually may be in luck. We've got some new provisions with the CARES Act that, it, well, it's going to be advantageous for those of you that, that do charitable contributions. Now, what I'm about to say is only for those not itemizing. That's going to be the majority of you. If you do itemize, why don't you go ahead and tune out for a bit and I'll get to you here shortly. Like I mentioned, most of you out there um, don't itemize. About 90% of people take that standard deduction. So this will apply to most of you out there, like I mentioned. It's not going to be a big deduction, but you know, folks, it's something. Basically, it's going to create a $300 qualified contribution to a 501c3. So let's say, uh, let's say you're in California and you're looking at a 22% Fed bracket, federal tax bracket, and a 9% state bracket. That $300 contribution, it's going to save you uh, $94 in taxes. Okay, again, not a huge deal, but it is, it is something. Uh, it's got, it has to be made in cash. No clothing or use of donor-advised funds, okay? And my guess is that this is going to be something that does get made permanent. Moving on here, for those of you that do itemize, you actually have it a little better. You're able to contribute 100% of your AGI, your adjusted gross income. Now, it used to be around 60%, I believe. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I, I believe it used to be around 60%. Now it's 100%. So obviously, this is good news for you big-time donors out there, okay? And folks, remember, charities right now are hurting. Um, you know, I'm hearing about layoffs just left and right. They, they're they folding. They're laying people off. Uh, they're going through some tough financial times right now as well. All right, so I've probably talked enough and confused everyone out there, probably even myself a little bit, enough today. So that wraps things up here. Um, again, I know this is going to be a tough time for some of you out there, but hopefully my goal here was to give you one or two things you can take away and utilize for your personal financial situation. Remember, you can always contact me if you're needing a little help. You don't need to be a client of mine. 
If you're looking for my contact information, go ahead and go to my podcast website, which is www.higheredretire.com, and you can find all my information there. Remember, I do have a fee-only financial advisor firm as well, located headquarters in Kansas City. All right, folks, thanks for hanging in there today with me. This is Greg Shepard with Higher Ed Retire Podcast telling you to take control of your retirement today. Thanks for listening to the Higher Ed Retire Podcast. Just because this episode is over doesn't mean you can't continue your retirement journey. Please visit www.higheredretire.com to see how you can work with Greg or to simply ask him a question. Thanks again. S&A Financial Services is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.